0: We're going to talk about that this morning as we continue our series on on fundamentals. Um, I didn't introduce myself when I was up here before, so if you are a guest with us today, thanks for being here. Uh, My name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table. Uh, If you you are here for the very first time, we would love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is to text the word WELCOME to 817-755-1668. If you didn't get that, there it is. Or, it's on the sticker in in front of you, for those of you that are in the room, if you're watching online, you can do the same thing um, in Texas at that number as well. We just want to find out how we can um, be an encouragement to you and your family. Um, But I am really, like, honestly, legitimately today, glad that you are here, those of you who are in the room. Um, It's all right, um... You know, the emergency light goes off, other things happen. Like, these things only happen on Sundays, I promise you. Like, emergency lights never go off during the week, it's only on Sunday. Um, now I don't even remember what I was saying. Oh, anybody else like done with COVID? Like, my goodness. But yet, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Listen follow all the guidelines and stuff like that, because we have a lot of people in our church that are sick. And as far as I know, n- nobody's serious at this point. Um, but we are like cycling through the you know, five-day quarantines with a lot of people. So i um, legitimately glad there are some people here that I can see this morning. So um, yeah, thanks for being here today. I know we've got some new folks that have been with us just a, a few weeks or maybe a couple of months. And you may not know this, but every time we have a fifth Sunday in a month, so every time there are five Sundays in a month, on that fifth Sunday, we don't have our regular worship services. And what we do is have serve what we call Serve Sunday, where we go out to serve. And so we have... All these different uh, partnerships with different ministries in the area, and the surrounding community. We go to people's homes and and do things for them um, and things like that. And so it just happens that there is a fifth Sunday coming up two weeks from today. Well, in light of all of the things that are happening in the world, we are currently not able to go to our ministry partners and serve them like we normally would. So we're going to pivot just a little bit this time, and we are going to have Serve Sunday in two weeks. But what we're going to do is a supply drive for all of our different ministry partners. So here's what's going to happen when you come next week. You are going to have the opportunity uh, to take a box and fill a box of, with supplies for our different ministry partners. We will make sure that you leave here next week with a box. Right there, we're gonna. I, I was joking around with Cody this week in our staff meeting, we're gonna put them in front of the doors. So, you will have to take a box and then crawl through the hole that you created um, to get out next week. So, you will take a box, it'll be about like uh, there's gonna be a list on the box about $30, $35. It'll be super easy. You could go to CVS, you could go to Walmart, you could go to Amazon and purchase all of the things that you need to put in the box in like five minutes. Bring the box back on Serve Sunday, which is January the 30th, and we'll gather together in different locations on our campus to organize and sort so that those things go out to our ministry partners. So that's what we're doing for Serve Sunday. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Mark that on your calendar. It will be obvious for those of you who are here next week because you will get a box with a list. Fill the box. okay? So that's what we're doing next, next week and then the following Sunday Um, So that's our Serve Sunday this time. So we'll talk more about the projects and things like that um, next week. So let me pray for us, and we'll get started in the message this morning. Heavenly Father, thanks for the opportunity um, to be able to gather together today um, and to worship you because of what you've done for us through sending your one and only son, Jesus, who laid down his life so that we could be brought into a relationship with you. Um, Father, thanks for the privilege of knowing you. And I, I pray, God, that you would just continue to change our lives so that we can be the people that you desire us to be. Father, I do pray for those who aren't able to be with us um, this morning, those who uh, are sick. I pray that you would restore their health as quickly as possible. Father, Just, um, I, I just pray for our community in general and the stress uh, that's taking place in people's lives and um, within educators and school districts and all the other things. Father, we just um, got in the midst of all of it. Uh, I would say we need uh, rest from this. Um, And so, Father, I pray that you would take it away. Um, But if we have to endure, help us to endure well. Um, Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you in everything. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Likely all of you have heard that statement before. You may not know where it comes from. I actually did a little bit of research uh, a couple of weeks ago to try to figure out if we knew where that statement came from and its background and things like that. And here's what I found. No one knows where it actually came from. But it goes back to at least 1786. It's the first time that we find it in print. And so, of course, it's kind of the idea of an organization is only as strong as its weakest member. I became really familiar with that statement in preseason conditioning for sports, right? So our coaches would say, hey, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link as a motivational tactic so that we wouldn't be lazy in a, you know, certain drill or whatever it was um, that we were doing. Because if you were lazy, you weren't just letting yourself down, but you were letting your team down as well. You know, I was thinking about that statement makes a lot of sense in a team-heavy sport. You know, a football field, you have 11 players on either side at one time and so if all 11 players aren't doing what they are supposed to do, aren't doing their very best, then inevitably it's going to lead to failure. Same is true in basketball. If all five players on a basketball team at, on the court at a time, if all five of them are not doing their very best, inevitably the opposing team is going to find that weak link and exploit that um, to score points. Now I will admit this though, There was a time in my life, probably when I was uh, an upperclassman in high school, I began to think to myself, you know what? I'm not really sure about this weak link and chain thing because I played basketball. And I used to think, man, you know what? There's like 12 people on the basketball team. I used to think, you know what? That guy who sits down at the end of the bench next to the water jug, you can't tell me that what he does matters at all about what happens on the floor. Because he's way down there on the end of the bench, and he doesn't ever get on the floor. So what he does cannot impact anything that takes place. I'm not really sure that I buy into this whole weakest link in the chain thing. But as I've gotten older, I realize now I was wrong about that. I was wrong because of this unseen thing called culture culture It's the, the unseen things that determine how we go about doing what we do, and so it's, it's strange in sports, but it's true that when everybody works hard, including the guy who sits at the end of the bench that never gets on the court, when everybody works hard, it just motivates everyone to just work that much harder. And so it's been really fascinating this last week with the Cowboys playing in the playoffs this week or this afternoon like I heard it on the radio over and over again this week all the you know the talking heads talking about the game breaking it down and things like that and they mentioned culture the culture that Coach McCarthy has built or the change in culture that needed to take place to get the Cowboys to where they want to be. And so there's this, all this conversation in sports about the importance of culture. Well, today we are continuing our series of, called Fundamentals where what we're doing is working through what we refer to as the table pathway. The table pathway is our way of identifying stages of growth as a follower of Christ. And so there are four of them. Explore, grow, build, and multiply. And what we're doing in this series by going through these uh, different phases is trying to help everyone to understand where they are in their faith and what they need to do to take that next step. And so we began a couple of weeks ago by talking about the explore stage. And so the explore stage is all about going from questions to belief. And the only way to make that change from question to belief is to ask, right? It's really simple. Profound, but yet quite simple. Ask. That's how you move from questions to belief. Last week, Melissa talked about the second phase, which is growth, and talked about how it's God's desire for all of us to grow, but the best way to do that is in community with other people. It's not to do it in isolation. It's to do it with other people. So the way to move from belief in that growth stage, the, way to, the, the movement that we need to make is from belief into community. And the way to make that move is to sign up, right? To, to step in and be a part of a group. So this week we're talking about the third stage, which is build. We're talking about building the kingdom. And I want to go back to our statement that we began. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You know that applies to the church probably never really thought about that. And the reason that you've never thought about that is because we so often think about our faith in very individual terms. So we think, I have faith because I made a decision to trust Jesus as my personal Savior. And I will grow as long as I read my Bible. Now, we talked last week about how that's not the best way to grow. It's not the way that we're supposed to grow, but oftentimes we think that way. We just think if I am doing what I need to do, then that's all I need to worry about. The problem is that creates a bad culture. In the world of the church, there is this generalized statistic. Not all churches are this way, some are a little bit better, but generally this is true of all churches, at least in America. It's the idea that 20% of the people who are part of a church do 80% of everything that gets done in the church. So 20% do 80%. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, I'm going to reverse that statistic for us, and this is where I think it gets sharper. 80% of people who are part of a church do very little. That creates a bad culture. Because what happens is when a a minority of people are doing a vast majority of the things in the church, what that means is those who are doing something are doing more than they ought to do, oftentimes serving outside of their giftedness. And so it can create a, a, a revolving door in ministry because people are only able to do more than they should do for a short amount of time, and so we have a tendency to burn people out. And so again, it creates a bad culture, but it's not just a bad culture. It's an unbiblical culture, because that's not the way that the church is designed to function. So today, we're talking about that third stage in the table pathway, which is build. We refer to it build the kingdom, and we do that through service and generosity, what I want to do in the message this morning is to answer one simple question. Why serve? And so you saw some of the answers uh, for some, from some of the folks who serve in our church, and I think they gave some great answers. In fact, they uh, cover part of what I'm going to talk about this morning, but here's what I want to do. I'm going to answer the question, why serve? I'm going to give you the answer right now, so I'll cover it up front. I ask that you pay attention through the rest of the message while we unpack the rationale behind this. Why serve? Here you go. Here's the answer to that question. Because you've been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. Why serve? Because you've been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. The passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning is found in Ephesians chapter 4, so if you've got a Bible, you can turn there, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, so if you get past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, flip over a little bit further and you'll find the book of Ephesians. And here in this section is the Apostle Paul writing this letter. He's talking about the way that the church is supposed to function. And what we're going to find is, in this passage, you have been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. So, hopefully, by now I'm beating that into your head. Why serve? Because you've been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, it will be on the screen as I read it. Or if you are a YouVersion Bible app user, you can navigate your way uh, to our live event and follow along there. Here is Ephesians 4 11 through 16. And he himself. He being Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit but speaking the truth in love let us grow in every way into him who is the head Christ from him the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part i want you to know that i absolutely believe something I want you to walk away this morning knowing that I'm absolutely convinced of this fact. You may not believe me. You may think I'm wrong. But I want you to leave this morning knowing that I believe this with everything that I have. You have been given a mission. You have a mission. Most of the time, I would say, most people that show up in church on a regular basis never think about that. They may think, well, the church has a mission. And we do, our mission, we talk about it from time to time, is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. When we talk about mission, you may think, well, pastors have a mission, church has a mission, but maybe it doesn't go any, any further than that. But I want you to know that you have a mission. There is something that God wants you to do. You have a mission. I want, you to, I want to go back to the way that we Uh, began in this text in in verse 11. It says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. We could spend a long time uh, looking at each of those different groups. And really, they're spiritual gifts. And I'll talk more about that in in a few minutes. But they're really spiritual gifts. Uh, Apostles would be people who uh, push people forward in their faith, prophets, people who call uh, people back to God, you kind of maybe understand pastors and teachers a little bit. And so we could spend a long time identifying those groups of people. But for our purposes this morning, here's how I want you to think about them. That they are the professionals. Now generally, like, th- these are spiritual gifts. This is gifting that people have. But generally speaking, I think those giftings often show up in people that we would refer to as professionals, like pastors and, and people who work at churches. So just... It's not exactly it, but for our purposes today, I want you to think about that. These are the professionals. Jesus has called and equipped some people to be professional ministers. Now, if I were to take time and ask you this morning, what do you think the job of a pastor is, I wonder what you might say. Likely, if you have any idea what a pastor does outside of what you see on a Sunday morning, Maybe you would say, well, the pastor's job is to minister to people. It's to do ministry. And there's a sense in which that's true, for sure. Uh, So I don't want you to think that that's not the sum of what we do. We minister to people on a regular basis. But yet at the same time, did you notice that that is not what this passage says? So it says, He has given some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, equipping the saints, or to equip the saints to do ministry. So it's not just the pastors that do ministry. When we get stuck thinking that way, we think, well, that's what you do, and you are supposed to do this for me. But here, what we find is that these professionals are called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, the question is, who are the saints? That is just a way to describe people who are followers of Jesus. It is not you reach some special status or you reach some level of maturity and then you could be considered that. It's just a way of Paul saying, hey, it's to equip people of God, people who are followers of Jesus to do the work of ministry. What Paul is saying is that you have a mission. Why serve? Because you have a mission to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's from the root word diakonos in the Greek, which means service or ministry. And so when we talk about serving in the church, this is the mission that you've been given. So now you might be thinking, well, what is that mission? If there's this work of ministry that I'm supposed to do, what is that? I would say it's the, it, your mission is this, to take all that you have and use it to build the body. That's just the language that Paul uses to describe the church. So you're to take all that you have and use it to build the church. I want you to know I'm absolutely convinced that everyone, if you are a follower of Jesus, God has a mission for you. And I also am just as convinced about this, that you have a lot to give. Regardless of how much You know about the Bible or how little you know about the Bible, regardless of what your life experience has been, regardless of how strong or not strong you think your faith is, you have a lot to give. See, as followers of Jesus, when we come to faith in Jesus, we have spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is what the Holy Spirit gives to us when we come to faith in Jesus that we are to use to build up the body. Apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers, those are spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts include other things like mercy, service, giving, leadership, encouragement. There's a couple of different lists in the New Testament. And so I want you to know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift that has been given to you that you are to use to influence people. Not only that, you have a personality in your wiring. You know, God has made you exactly who he wanted you to be, exactly the way that he wanted you to be. And he wants to take your personality and the unique wiring that he's given to you and use it to make a difference in the lives of other people. In addition to that, we have passions and things that we're interested in. And all of those things God has given to us and his desire is that we use them to make a difference in the lives of other people. So that's your mission. Your mission... It's to take what you have and use it to build up the body or to build the church. Again, that's Paul's language. This is his metaphor that he's using in this passage. It's to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry to build up the body. And so, what that means, it includes two things. You can think of it this way more believers and better believers. So understand, when we are all doing what we're supposed to be doing, when we're living out the mission that God has given to us, taking all that we have and using it to make a difference in the lives of other people, then there is a natural outflow to that, and that includes two things. One, it includes people coming to faith in Jesus for the very first time. So it includes people taking that step across that line of faith, saying yes to Jesus and their lives being changed. It also includes, the second part of that, is that it includes people's faith coming alive so that they understand how their faith in Jesus impacts what they do on a daily basis. So it's more believers and better believers. That's the outflow of each of us living out our mission. Now, at least once a year, we, we do this in the church where we ask people to serve and we lay out all of our ministry needs. And so we'll lay out ministry needs and we say, you know, we need people to serve in the parking lot. We need people uh, to serve as, as greeters. We need people to serve in kids ministry. We need people uh, to serve in student ministry. And inevitably what can happen is that we begin to prioritize those ministries in our mind. It's not a good thing to do, but I think it's natural that we begin to prioritize what we think is important and what we think is less important. And so what can easily happen is, well, you think, well, I can't sing like Cody sings, so what he does is far more important than what I do. I can't lead a group, so those people who lead groups, they're far more important than what I can do. I can't teach in kids' ministry, so our teachers are far more important than the things that I can do. Now, I would say this, don't sell yourself short, because maybe with training and equipping, you can actually do every one of those things. But yet, at the same time, what happens is if we begin to prioritize these ministries and we just assume there are lots of other things that are more important than what I can do, it shows up in our commitment to that ministry, so we begin to think, well, nobody will even notice if I don't show up today. Or it won't really matter if I get there late today. And then all of a sudden we are back to our chain statement. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. It's really easy to think, well, all I do is help in the parking lot. Or all I do is open doors. But you've got to have the right perspective. There's an old story about a man coming up on two bricklayers. And he asks each of them what they were doing. So he goes up to the first man and he says, hey, what are you doing? And the first bricklayer looks up at him and he says, I am laying bricks. What does it look like I'm doing? So he moves on to the next bricklayer who's at the same time doing the exact same thing on the exact same project. And he says to the second man, hey, what are you doing? And the second bricklayer says, I am building a cathedral To the glory of God. See, he understood the perspective. He knew what he was doing. Yes, he was laying bricks, but he understood what the bricks were ultimately going to be used for because it was going to be used to build a church, a place where people could gather and worship God. So he understood what he was doing. Hey, it's not just I'm working in the parking lot, it's not just I'm opening doors for people. Well, you're a part of God's mission. Understand this. If you help out in the parking lot and you're the first person that someone who has never been to church or maybe hasn't been to church in a really long time, the first person that they see, And when the first person that they see is a smiling face who waves at them, then maybe all of a sudden their perspective about what is going to happen in a given church service begins to change. And when they walk through a door that they have been directed to by somebody in the parking lot, and somebody there greets them with a smile and says hello, then maybe their perspective of snobby Christians begins to change just a little bit. And when they know that their kids are well cared for in kids' ministry, and when they sit in a service, they're not worried about what's happening over there, and they can begin to hear what's happening in here. Or when they are greeted by someone who is sitting in the row next to them who says hello, then maybe all of a sudden they, their hearts are open to what happens when Cody sings or when whoever is teaching on a given Sunday is teaching. And so I want you to know, you're not just in the parking lot, or you're not just greeting, but you're a part of reaching people for the cause of Jesus. You are a part of the process of seeing people come to faith in Jesus, and people taking those next steps in their faith so that their lives are changed forever. Why serve? Because you've been given a mission. You've been given a mission for your growth. Do you know why people leave churches? It happens a lot. And there are different reasons for that. I would say, though, in my experience, in the top three reasons that people leave church is, well, I feel like I'm not being fed. I've heard that a lot over the years from different people. It's an interesting statement, which would indicate that it's somebody else's responsibility to make sure that I am being fed, which I don't think is really true. But when people have told me that before, hey, I just don't feel like I'm being fed, I ask two questions. Number one, tell me about your time with God. Because it's not just my responsibility to feed you. At some point, we have a responsibility to feed ourselves. So That's the first question. Tell me about your time with God. Second thing that I do is ask, where are you serving? Because you will never be who God wants you to be without serving We are not meant to be cul-de-sacs. cul-de-sac is a dead-end street, right? On the outside of the cul-de-sac, before you ever turn down that street, dead-end, no outlet. And that's the way that people so often think about church. They think, well, it's your responsibility to teach me so that I am a better, more well-informed Christian. But we aren't meant to be the end point. What we're meant to be is to be conduits. We're to let what God does for us and in us flow through us to make a difference in the lives of other people. Right? So our growth is ultimately at some point dependent upon our influencing the lives of other people. As God does something in us, his desire is to do something through us to make a difference in the lives of other people. So why serve? Because you've been given a mission for your growth and our. Maturity. I want to go back to the text. I want you to listen to this. If you've got your Bible, you can look at it. Verse 14, then I will no longer be a child, tossed by the waves, blown around by every wind of teaching. Now, if you're paying attention, that's not what it says. Because it does not say, then I will not be this, but it says, verse 14, we will no longer be little children. What is so fascinating to me about this passage of Scripture is that it is not about me at all. It is all about we. So you have been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. I'm going to say this, and like there's a part of me that says, this doesn't even make sense, but I want you to get it. This is what Paul is saying in this passage. Our maturity is dependent upon you. It's not just that your maturity is dependent upon what you do, but our maturity is dependent upon what you do. Go back to the chain thing again. The chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Your con- contribution impacts not just yourself, but it impacts the maturity of the people that you are sitting around this morning. We will never be who God wants us to be. We will never be the church that God wants us to be if everyone is not doing what it is that God has called each of us to do. We will never be able to make a difference in this community the way that God has called us to. We will never be able to reach all of these new people who are moving into our community unless All of us do what God has uniquely called us to do. The only way that we reach maturity is for all of us to be a part of the work that God is doing. So, why serve? Because you've been given a mission for your growth, absolutely. But it's not just about you, it's also about us. And we are dependent upon you. Why serve? Because you've been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. So here's what I want you to do. If you are not serving somewhere, you need to go to our website, thetablecc.com forward slash serve in the church. If you can't remember that, go to our website, thetablecc.com, serve button, and then one of the drop-downs is serve in the church. On that page you will see a list of all of our different ministries, and there is a form for you to indicate that you want to serve or you're willing to serve. We are dependent upon you. I want you to understand that. I absolutely believe that. Don't think, well, what I do is not important as what somebody else can do, because we want you to make the unique contribution that God has called you to make. And We're not just going to throw you in a classroom and make you do something that you don't want to do, but we're going to figure out how you're gifted and wired, and we're going to put you in a place that you can be successful and serve because we want you to be a part of what God is doing in the lives of people around us. Why serve? Because you've been given a mission for your growth and our maturity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for the time that we've had this morning. Thanks for the encouragement that we read in Paul's letter about how the church is supposed to function. And Father, I pray that you would allow each and every one of us who are here and those who are watching online to really grasp the significance of what we've talked about today. That it's true because of this crazy thing called culture. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to raise up people who want to say yes to be a part of what you're doing in the lives of other people so that we together would grow to maturity and make a difference in this community the way you've called us to. So Father, give us the right perspective. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing in the lives of people and I pray that you would continue to do that. Raise up volunteers and leaders and people who want to say yes, not just to us as a church, but want to say yes to you.